Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. You are good to us. Use us, Father, that we might bring your name glory. It's great to see kids learning that on the soccer field. Uh, Let us learn it, live it out on the mission field. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you are a, uh, a mother, you might have said some of these phrases. Uh, if you are a kid, you might have heard these phrases said to you. And if you are like someday maybe aspiring to be a, to be a mother, you might, be, you might say like, I'm never going to say that to my kid, but just, just wait a little bit. Just wait. Here's some, some phrases that I was looking through the internet, taking from my life and just remembering different mothers have said over time. You might, you might be able to resonate with some of these phrases. Phrases like, if you keep it making that face, it's going to freeze. <laughs> quiet down. I can't hear myself think. Hold on. You need to quiet down. Uh, don't look at me with those eyes. Uh, as long as you're under my roof, you're going to live by my rules. Why don't we play the, let's play the quiet game. Let's play, go ahead, let's play the quiet game. Um, where are your manners? Were you raised by wolves? Uh, hey, I'm not asking you right now. I'm actually telling you, you got to do this. Stop crying or I'll give you something to, come on, come on. A hard head makes a soft <laughs> and I brought you in this world, but I can. It's, fun. it's funny, these are little phrases that mothers have said over the years, and it, and it, and it, and it catch you laughing, and you're like, what? Like, some stuff just doesn't even make sense. Don't look at me with those eyes. Like, what? what so look at you with my ears? Like, come on, mom, what? You know, but in that moment, those emotions get going and those phrases just come out as phrases. Jesus uses some phrases to break down the beauty of his gospel to his disciples. And his disciples are missing something that he's trying to teach them. And so he's going to use some phrases that are common to mothers that connect with mothers that mothers understand well. And actually one of them is unique to a mother and a mother alone. If you return with me, we're going to look at John chapter 16. John chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 16. It'll be up here on the screen, but John chapter 16, verse 16. It says, a little while... You will see me no longer, and again a little while, and you will see me. Some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father? So they were saying, so, so they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. 
When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being uh, for for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full. Your joy may be made full. First, the first verse, verse 16, this little phrase, it's a classic phrase. It's a phrase that's been handed down through the generations. Maybe it was in the 1850s in the station wagon. Excuse me, it's 1850s in the stagecoach. <laughs> Couldn't be the station wagon then. 1960s, 1970s, the station wagon. 2019, the minivan. Either way, it's this phrase that once you get started rolling and you on a, maybe a six or seven hour trip, that's how far you got to go. You know where you're headed. You get the kids loaded up. You start driving. And about 30 minutes into the drive, what's one of the kids say to you? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I just put some gas in the tank. Are we there yet? You ain't even finished a granola bar. Um, you start rolling and, and you see over time for generations, parents have said this phrase. We'll be there in a little while. It's, 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 it's because we know, because mothers know that you be wise not to give a certain date and time. Our kids, every time we jump in, our kids will see the GPS says seven hours. All right, we'll be there in seven hours. But somehow our kids don't acknowledge the extra time they took when they had to go to the bathroom, when they had to get snacks, when they had to do all these things. And so as a parent, I know that there's more to be calculated in that time. And so we leave it loose. We leave it open. We say a phrase like a little while. Jesus is saying this to his disciples. He's saying there is something that is coming up that you're not ready for. There's something that's going to happen in a little while. And because I want to care for you, because I want to see you not rocked by this situation, because I want to equip you for what is coming, I want you to know in a little while, Something is going to happen. It's a serious thing that's going to happen. Jesus is preparing them for what's going to be the most difficult experience the disciples have. He's preparing them for his death. He's preparing them for his torture. He's preparing them for his ridicule. He's preparing them to have all of their hopes fall because they thought he was going to come in Jesus victorious. And they're going to see him as Jesus on a cross. And so he's saying, in a little while, in a little while, you will see me no longer. And again, in a little while, you will see me. It's, it's, it's a time period that's going to be 
somewhat lengthy, but he says it's a little while because in comparison to eternity, it's but a, but a drop, but a blink. But you can understand why they're confused, right? I mean, he said in a little while you won't see me, and then in a little while you will see me. I got confused reading it. I wish one of my kids would say, Daddy, you will see me in a minute, but in a minute you won't. <laughs> and, they, and they start chatting. They start kicking it. They start talking. What is Jesus saying to us? What is going on here? Jesus is trying to, from the very onset, begin to help them see that time is relative to the experience. That sometimes when you look at something like time, you have a a perspective where you are struggling. You feel like something's taking forever. And then other times you look at time and it feels like it went by like that. I uh, have been blessed to go down the road of having a kid or two with my amazing wife. And... uh, I've I've seen members in our church, family members, the whole nine. I've seen how like when you are preparing to have a child, it's it's quite interesting what time looks like. When you first find out that you're pregnant and you're in like week three and you don't feel the baby, you know, the baby's in there and uh, you are knowing that you got nine more months, it just feels a bit of a longer span. But when I talk to women at month nine, there there is no uh, less weight. There is no desire for, uh, I I, I could enjoy a couple more months of this, Pastor. Come month nine, sisters are like, look, I was scared for a second because I know he got to come out, but I don't care. Get him up. Let's get him up out of here. There is a, an, an, a readiness because the time has come. And Jesus is preparing his people to say there is a, 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 a situation that is birthing forth that's going to happen that I want you to get ready for. That I want you to be prepared for that's going to hopefully get at a point where Jesus realizes that this event must happen in order for new birth to happen for all of his children. But sometimes looking back is, 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 is a little tough to do. And so Jesus starts to explain to them exactly what he means and what he uses to explain this somewhat com- confusing verse is a woman having birth. Look with me at verse 20. Look with me at verse 20. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you who will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish. For joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Jesus makes it makes it clear, but he does something here 
that welcomes the, the men in the room, these 12 disciples, he does something that welcomes them into the experience of a mother. And it's, and it's when it seems like you can be at polar opposites, two totally different things, but actually those things work together for good. Two totally different behaviors, totally different actions, totally different characters actually work together for good. I've, I've seen it myself, and you've seen it. Uh, I used to be at Nichols sometimes, volunteering, and you'd see a mom with a little infant, caring for her baby, nurturing the little baby, feeding the baby, and she's in that school because her kid is acting up. So now she got one baby she's nurturing and caring for, and the other baby, she's like, boy, I will tear you up. You standing on desk in nickel school, don't you know... And you see, on one hand, this woman being extremely nurturing. And on the other hand, being a disciplinarian. All within the same character, all working towards the same good. It is not uncommon to see amazing mothers multitask. Have totally different polar opposites working together for good. Being a a, a nurturer as well as disciplinarian. We have single moms that have to carry that mantle where you've got on one hand to be a father and on the other hand a mother as well, trying to hold both tasks together. What seems like polar opposites actually working together for the good of the child. Working together for the good of the child. And so Jesus uses the example of birth. He says, man, it looks like there's something that you should be where sorrow enters into the picture. Verse 21, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because of her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby. When you hear that voice come through after you've birthed the baby, when you have the doctor place that baby skin to skin, when you get a chance to hear that baby cry for the first time. It's not as if the mother all of a sudden stops feeling pain. It's not as if the mom isn't even laying on that table. It is beautiful to see the joy that a mother experiences with that child overshadow any of the pain. And this is what Jesus is trying to get his disciples to see, that you are going to go through some sorrow, but learn from mothers. See the beautiful act that mothers go through in bringing children into this world where there's a painful process, but joy overshadows all the pain. So Jesus celebrates mothers, the examples of mothers, as he's trying to prepare his disciples. He's getting them ready. What's he getting them ready for? For the cross. And then in days after the cross, he's getting them ready for them to see him. That's why he sounds crazy. He's first saying, look, y'all won't see me because I'm going to die. But then you will see me because I'm going to resurrect and live. And so he uses the beautiful image of mothers to help communicate that gospel. But that beautiful truth isn't over. 
because he continues on. There's, a, there's a, uh, an expression of this that we see with Lazarus, where, where there's a, a pain with the experience of Lazarus. And Lazarus' sister and family are wailing and they're saying, my brother was dead. Jesus, you could have come and cared for us. Jesus, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. We would not have had to experience this pain. And Lazarus looks He's in the tomb, and Jesus says these words. He says in John chapter 11, Jesus says, So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe you sent me. An experience where people are hurting But out of that hurting comes a joy where people actually dive into living for Christ because Jesus uses what could have been a painful example to show his power and draw people unto him. And so, family, every time these beautiful mothers get a chance to look at these kids, I pray that it's a reminder of Jesus telling his story where he's saying, I have come. I have come that you might experience me fully. So lastly, Jesus brings forth a prayer. He says, I want to use the example of of motherhood, the beautiful example of motherhood to tell my story, to prepare my people. But what's important is that you not only realize that I rised, that I died, but that I rised. That the resurrection be in view for all people, that we today would be encouraged by what moms go through. And every time a mom has a baby, every time you look at your beautiful child, it should remind you of the resurrection. It should remind us of Jesus conquering death. It should remind us of all the beautiful benefits we get in Christ. Here, verse 23 says, In that day you will ask of nothing, but truly I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will do what? Give it to you. Whatever you ask of the Father, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. And so Jesus is wanting these people to understand the beauty of how motherhood communicates the gospel. But that they wouldn't stop, that we wouldn't stop simply in understanding the joy that we get to have. Our joy becomes full and becomes complete when we are seeking Christ, praying to him. We're called to ask in his name. And so we do that not out of a van ritual. We'll pray up here often and at the end say in Jesus name. We don't do that because it is something that's just traditional. We don't do that because it's something that sounds good. We do that because we actually believe that there's power in Jesus's name. That there's a resurrection that happened, that he conquered death. And so he's telling you to do that for a reason. I remember my granddaddy was, uh, 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 he worked 
uh, with the police department in Cleveland. And uh, I was 16, just got my license. So granddad said, look, I'm going to give you this card. It has a little sheriff's logo on it. And if you ever get stopped, I want you to present this card to the officer. Now, don't present the card with arrogance. You're still a young black boy, so give him your license, but put the card underneath and pass it to him. Because what that little card does is it, it communicates that you're in a family of law enforcement. It didn't work. <laughs> still got that ticket the very first time. But, 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 but what it reminds me of is Jesus here. Jesus knows that prayer is, is, is a part of what it means to be a believer. And that the disciples were to pray even before he died. We should be praying to God. Prayer was not new because Jesus came on the scene. But praying in Jesus' name was. And he was saying, I'm going to do an act that motherhood points to. I'm going to do something that is such a joy. Like when a mother has a child that, over, that overshadows any pain she should have leaving up to that. I'm going to do something that's so joyous that every time you pray, I want to encourage you to pray in my name. Because when you do that, you're reminding yourself and you're saying to the father that we're a part of Jesus's family. You're presenting your card unto God. Family, I want to encourage you that, that as we look at these beautiful mothers, that we are reminded, reminded of, of an amazing gift God gives mothers. All mothers. All mothers-to-be. And let's be honest, um, all mothers are not blood. We have aunts that raise kids like they're their own. We have grandmothers, we have cousins. The, the, the bond that is there is one built from love. And some folks step in from love from day one, with love from day one. And some folks today, as I, as I prayed earlier, are, are grieving because uh, they have either lost loved ones that are children or know someone who has. And uh, like we said, for our grandmother, um, her mom passed this year, and, and there's a, a bittersweet aspect to that. Because um, she was a, what was she, baby? 101? No, 101. And so there's a, but family, God wants our joy to be full. And if you were to ask me, Pastor, what is one of the main ways that I get to experience God's joy? He clearly communicates here. It's in prayer. It's in prayer in Jesus' name. It's reminding yourself that you are a part of his family and, and God presenting you unto him. Jesus presenting you unto the Father. Let every time we see one of these beautiful babies, let it be a reminder of God's joy and what he completed on our behalf. That the joy we have in him is far greater than any of the sorrows that Satan tries to throw at us far greater than any other drama we experience in, far greater than, than, than I was about to go through a long list because there's a long list of drama being challenged in our family right now. But God's joy is far greater. 
Let's pray. Lord, it is, uh, it is great that we get stories from your word that remind us of how much you celebrate women. It is great that we get examples of motherhood that reminds us of how victorious you are and that you are a conqueror. That, Lord, there's a joy that's far greater than any pain or sorrow, and we want to live in that. God, we are praying for, um, we're praying, Lord, for uh, those that are uh, desiring to have children. Would you care for them, Lord, and walk with them? Uh, Would you allow a miracle to happen, but not let... uh, having children define them, Lord? Would you, Father, uh, celebrate uh, the qualities of mothers uh, through our church body and in our community? As, uh, as I leave this room, I can leave knowing like somebody's looking after my children, and it's just a blessing when it's not only there's a posture of motherhood within the church where everyone's looking out for one another. So thankful for the wisdom that some of our uh, wiser moms have shared with the younger moms. It's been a blessing to us uh, to the nth degree. Lord, we're thankful for uh, the way you've cared for and the health that you've provided in, in our little kids. We're thankful, Lord, that even present we do have uh, kids that are uh, quiet and sleeping, kids that are crying, Lord, we're just thankful for all of them, Lord. They're a reminder of your grace unto us. Father, may we be reminded of your joy. We're thankful for an extended time to pray. We want to end our sermon in the way that you call us, which is to pray in your name. Jesus, we ask all these things in your mighty name, in the name of Jesus Christ. And God's saints said, Amen.